friends, and welcome to the What Do You Know podcast. We are in episode 26. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to take some time to remind you and me what What Do You Know is all about. Friends, my hope for this podcast is that it can be a space for youth pastors, pastors, volunteers, and youth workers to share some wisdom, share some common bits of knowledge, but also to gain some rest. I want us as people that feel a calling to serve the youth of today and the church of today to find some rest, while also to ask the question, what do you know to other leaders? Because you know it just as well as I know it, that today's world is insane and that we need to take care of ourselves and continue to learn and grow. That way we can minister to our fullest capabilities. That way, we can fulfill the calling that God has for our life. Friends, just as a quick reminder, this podcast has been approved by the Upstate District Church of the Nazarene for lifelong learning hours. Friends, I would like to encourage you to ask your district if your district can approve this for lifelong learning hours. And friends, as always, please share this with someone who may get something out of it, because I want to continue to grow our community, to continue to ask more and more people, what do you know? That way we can better serve the church. Friends, join me today for another episode of What Do You Know? Let's jump right in. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of What Do You Know? We are joined by another ministry leader, someone who loves students, loves the church, and loves what he does. So friends, welcome Pastor Jared. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on here today, Caleb. I'm excited for this conversation. Awesome. I'm excited to have another conversation with another ministry leader. I mean, I grew up on the Mid-Atlantic District, and so, like, it's near and dear to my heart. And so I grew up going to FOL at the Bel Air Church of the Nazarene, where we would have District FOL, and I would be this wild and crazy child. And just to see what's happening at your church right now is just awesome awesome thank you it's a great place we have a great staff i mean heather ingram whom i think you have interviewed previously uh she she's on staff and she does i mean she does children's ministry but she also is the district fol leader and so like she does she does so much i don't even know how she does all that she does because not only is she a children's ministry leader but she's also a teacher and has an awesome family and like she's a superhero i i feel like and then also my lead pastor is the former youth pastor at my church greg allsbrooks and he's just he's been a great resource in this time and feller's got it it's it's a great place yes I'm bi- it, i might be biased though, but yeah it's okay to be biased i will say if you ever want dirt on me ask heather because okay. have you ever heard the term heathered oh yeah i made it a year without being heathered just saying so like Bro, I, I took that four hours without being heathered oh wow i'm not surprised i'm not like, surprised like heather had it out for me like let's be real heather's <laughs> like this kid right here something's wrong with him yes that's funny i saw her she has a daughter who's in eighth grade and she made a TikTok about being heathered one time. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I wonder if your mom knows about this. So Heather, if you listen to this, uh, you should definitely go check uh, your oldest daughter's TikTok out to see what she she uh, recorded about you. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. Also, sorry, sorry, Emma, if I threw you under the bus. You know, if you make a TikTok and put it out there, kind of you're putting your, you're putting yourself out there. True, true. That's facts. So, Pastor Jared, we kind of talked about it. Where are you located? What do you do? Uh, what does Pastor Jared do on a daily basis or rather weekly basis? Yeah, so I am located in Bel Air, Maryland, which is in uh, Harford County, which is a more rural county for the most part in Maryland. However, we are, are kind of the biggest city in in Harford County. I'm not quite sure on the number, but, you know, we have... Uh, we have like a mall and we have some targets and, you know, things like that. My wife judges everything by targets. So she loves target and there are like three within like 20 minutes from us. So that's, that's good. Uh, but then we're also like on the line of Hartford and Baltimore County. So we're only about 45 minutes from Baltimore, uh, about an hour and a half from DC, two and a half hours from Philly. So uh, that's kind of like the location. And on a, on a weekly basis, I, I'm the youth pastor. Well, I'm the youth and family director. So I focus a lot on, on how to resource teens and families with ways that they can encounter God, both in community, um, when we gather together for like corporate worship or youth group or youth events, but then also uh, in their daily lives. And so uh, but I also have other associate type duties. So I've gotten to preach uh, probably like seven to 10 times since I've been here. And I've only been here like a little over a year, almost probably like 14 months, 16 months. I don't know, something like that. Uh, I, well, when Corona hit, as a lot of young uh, ministry leaders and youth pastors, I got a lot of the responsibility of helping our church figure out how to like live stream and social media presence and YouTube. But luckily, we also have like a really like we have an awesome like lay leadership team who like a lot of them are even like super technologically advanced, even more so than I am, because I wouldn't say I'm like the most tech technologically savvy, but I've gotten to work with them through this time. And then, you know, I do things like I've, I've led a book club, things like that. And then this is also not like part of my like job for per se at the church. But then I've also been contracted by the Foundry, which is our denomination's uh, publishing house to write youth resources for uh, the special uh, seasons of the church calendar. So like for Lent and Advent, they release these devotionals that they put out there. And so I, I worked on it with a team for this year's Lent resource with like Mike Kennedy and my friend Nestor Hernandez. And then uh, I was asked to also do some other resources out of that. So I worked on like Advent for this upcoming year and I'm currently finishing up next year's Lent and things like that. So that gives me a lot of joy. Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, invest in students, you know, a lot of Dude, typical a youth. Yeah. So, I feel like but it's cool for me. I'd be overwhelmed. Like, wow. You know, sometimes it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming and, but it's good. It's a good place. And there are a lot of good people, which makes the times in which life can be overwhelming. It makes it easier to, to navigate that, that over that feeling of being overwhelmed. Yes. Doesn't make it easy, but easier. Yes. So my friend, what got you into youth ministry? What was that calling for you? What did it look like? 
Yeah. So I was the special age in our denomination to be able to go to NYC twice. You so were a cleaner? Not fair. Yeah. Yes, it was awesome. So I got to go in 2007 to St. Louis. And so on the way home from St. Louis, we were, we, I grew up in Ohio. And so Ohio is like eight hours or something like that from St. Louis. And so we took a big charter bus. And then on the way home, I remember sitting on the charter bus and some of the leaders were, were asking students to share how they experienced God that week. And I just remember story after story uh, of some of my friends and just other people I knew on the district going up and just sharing about how God was calling them to ministry. And so through their stories, I felt called to youth ministry into ministry. And so I went home, I told my parents, they were super excited. Uh, and we had district assembly a few weeks later. And I, I had pastors coming up to me saying like, if you ever need anything, let me know. Cause my, my, my mom told everyone she knew. And like, we were the family on the district that like uh, family camp was our vacation every year. And like, we always went to district. Yeah, it was something like, I think in the time, like, that's all I knew. So it was fine. But like, when I look back on it, I was like, yeah, that that was something. Um, no, Disney but then World. we also would always go to like, no Disney World. No, actually, we did go to Disney World. But that was when General Assembly was in Orlando. Oh, and we my only got goodness. to go once. <laughs> yeah. But I've made up for it now because my wife's parents love Disney and they go, they have passes. They go all the time. And so we go about once a year with them because they, they just love it. And her brother, one of her brothers works for Disney too. So uh, they're, they're a big Disney family. So I've, got, I've gotten to make up the lack of going to Disney um, in my married life, but so I had all these parents or all these pastors coming up to me and I was like, that really freaked me out because as, as you mentioned earlier, I was like that tweener, right? I was in between eighth and ninth grade. And up until that point, I was like, I was homeschooled. And so I was going to go to this big school. Uh, I was going to go to public school for the first time. So I went from like me and my sister to just school of like 2,500 kids. And I was like, that really freaked me out. And then I was like, I don't want to be the new kid. The kid is going to be a pastor. I had other, you know, identity things that are normal for that age. And so I was like, I'll, you know, I'm not going to do, do ministry. I'll be a great lay leader, um, which lay leaders are awesome and definitely, you know, are important. I, I can't do my job without the, the youth leaders that I have. They're just phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, I went through high school, and I, I wanted to, to work uh, my junior and senior year. I got to host and produce my own local TV show. And so I was like, okay, I want to work for ESPN, focusing on like college sports, all that. And then my senior year, I felt called again to ministry. We were in youth group and we sang the song Hosanna by Hillsong. And in it, there's a, a line that says there's a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith. And in that, I just knew, or I felt God calling me to ministry again. And just so have it the next day, I had a visit at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. So I was able to, to switch uh, the departments that I met with and the rest is history. And then why youth ministry is through my college time. Well, initially I felt called to youth ministry. And then through my college time, I just, I had, I took every summer 
to have a youth internship. So even after my first year and then during my sophomore and junior years during the school year, I had youth internships and just to see the, the passion that, that teens have. And just to also, I mean, I wasn't that far removed obviously from being a teenager, but to just like think about how teens are not just leaders of tomorrow, but they can lead the church today. And so I just, I just loved being able to be with them and uh, hear their questions because they asked some really outside of the box questions and, you know, uh, they have a lot of passion and desire to, to change the world for pot for positive um, means and everything. And I love dodgeball too, but you know, dodgeball is great. My yeah. kids won't, my kids won't play dodgeball with me anymore. I throw the ball too hard. Fair enough. They keep on making the excuse. You play college baseball or you, you were really good at baseball. You hurt. <laughs> yeah. That's literally yeah. their excuse. They're like, we don't want to ever play with you ever again. I have to sometimes remember like who I'm throwing at because it's like, if it's like a sixth grade, like a sixth grader, I'm like, I, I probably shouldn't, you know, just launch it right at them. But you yes, know, it's fun. You're right. So I had, friend... sorry, I have another story real quick. Oh, please, uh, I was please. A, before I was here, I, I was a youth pastor um, in, in Portland or right outside of Oregon. And I had a youth, I had a really small youth group and, and they were all like eighth and ninth grade girls. But then one of their, uh, one of them had an older brother who was a senior. And so he didn't come all the time, but when he would come and when we'd played when we would play dodgeball, he would just like, he was pretty athletic. So he would just launch it at them. And so I loved it because I was like, all right, if you're going to go all out on, on like your sister and her friends, then I'm going to just like, I'm just going to also go all out. And that was fun. That's hysterical. You know, your dodgeball story reminds me of the first ever youth event I did. Uh, Josh Kleinfeld. He's like, you need to run a youth event. You're my youth intern. All right, we're doing dodgeball. Josh rolls up. No, 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 no. We're not doing it. That, no, not many people are going to like dodgeball. So this is my youth event. <laughs> so we did it. And it ended up me, I like, again, I played baseball in high school. So I ended up like bringing a whole bunch of ringers. Like I brought in all the pitchers, all the catchers from all my baseball teams. We ran the floor with all of them. That's awesome. That's and then we awesome. ended up going against some of the leaders and the leaders like, that was horrible. Why would you do that to us? <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Oh, it was awesome. So, my Nothing friend, is- as you think back to your first youth ministry self, yes, you could sit down and write a letter to yourself. What would it say? Would there be any do's, don'ts? Uh, watch out for this. What would it say? Yeah, I think one of the things that I would say to myself is I, I don't know how much you've read in the Enneagram um, or know much about the Enneagram, which is a spiritual resource. It's kind of like, you know, like the Myers-Briggs or thing, like it. I mean, I like it better than, than Myers-Briggs and strengths finders and things like that. But um, I'm an Enneagram three, which means I'm an achiever. And so like, that's like the basic model for that. And so I think at the beginning of, of ministry, I, I really focused on 
like Wednesday nights, or in my case, it was, uh, yeah, it was Wednesday nights, not Sunday nights. We ended up moving it to Sunday nights though, I think, but whatever, like the main youth group time, you know, and how like, you know, my lessons and like the delivery and what I'm saying and all of those things, like the content of, of the youth, uh, service and youth time, which I, those things are incredibly important because obviously, or at least I think everything we do is shaping and forming us. So I want to be committed to uh, creating an opportunity that that is that offers opportunities for teens to encounter God in, in whatever way they need to, right? And so, like w- the content and what you do is important. But I think at times I focused so much on on how well that was going that I neglected um, the teens and like building those relationships and building trust with them and whatnot. And so I think I would just, you know, kind of say like, chill out a little bit, like it's important, but also, excuse me. Um, but also like, if, if a teen comes to your office, like two hours before youth group, like focus on them instead of like, what's going through your mind. Right. And then even with, um, even though this isn't my newest, or my first position, even when I came to Bel Air, I was really focused like on, on the, on the services and I was building relationships, but I almost was like, uh, how would I say it? Like critiquing myself so much on how, or I was, I've evaluated how well I was doing as a youth pastor based on how well I felt like Wednesday night went instead of, like the relationships that I was building with, with my teens. So I'd say uh, teens building that those relationships with teens and their families and your youth leaders um, should almost be your first priority over, you know, whatever program you have, it should be the first priority because that's why you're there. Right. And, and that's not to say that you neglect obviously whatever programming you have, um, Mm -hmm. but focus on relationships over program uh, is one thing that I think I would say. And I say, even say with, with that, for me personally, the need for like contemplation and quiet time, I'm, I hate silence. I really hate silence. And so like, I actually saw like the other day I was Googling like interesting Ash Wednesday fasts and someone said they gave up listening to music while they were working out. And that literally just like, ugh. like I literally said, because I, I just could do that. So like, I hate silence, um, but I've started to practice that discipline of contemplation and silence. And that's just helped me become more healthy spiritually, holistically, you know, and ministry, all those things. So I would say uh, contemplation contemplation and focusing on building relationships. Some really important reminders. So my friend, what has kept you motivated in this season of ministry? I mean, ministry in general can be pretty draining if we don't watch out for our own personal levels, but especially during this time of a pandemic, what has kept you motivated? Yeah, um, I would say trying to to find those moments of silence and contemplation to kind of piggyback off what I was saying, because um, in those moments I can feel refreshed and renewed for ministry. 
you know, but, but after that, that Jesus church answer, um, I would say I have a really great staff. Like I'm on a, I'm a part of a really great staff, both from a pastoral level, but then also youth staff. And so just being able to be in relationships with people who are also going through this and, and who also support and, and love myself and my wife. And that has just been very, very life giving. Um, and then I would also say, also just trying to constantly remind myself that we're in, we're experiencing something right now that like m- no one in the world has experienced like to this level. Uh, no one, or at least in the United States have, has experienced something like this to this level um, in our lifetime. So trying to give myself, you know, moments of grace and, and, you know, rest in that. Yeah. The last pandemic wasn't like a hundred or so years. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there's anyone who's experienced something like we have this, you know, who's still alive, at least. This true. Who's still alive. So my friend building off of that, how do you avoid burnout? Because it's sort of a progression. We get tired and then we're like, Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, I can also, as an Enneagram three working is one of the things that like is a stereotype or a value for for those who are who are Enneagram threes and so for me it can be really easy to not especially during the pandemic when we're working from home right there's not a lot of time for like transition you know like if you're working from home then you go and you're already at home and then there's not also a lot of other things to do so it's like okay why might just work more you know and so for me, trying to, to find times of Sabbath is important. And I'm not always the best at that, but I think that's part of the reason why I speak about it a lot to teens, because I notice how busy and crammed their schedules are. I don't know if you've know if your students are like that, but I, I, I mean, I have some students who are just like, I'm like, I don't know when I have one student in my who they are like the SGA president at their school. They do ballet. They're, they, they literally, they go to a smaller school. So they do everything at their school because they have to, but then like, they're also always at youth group and always come in. I'm like, I don't know how you have time for that. Um, and so I, I constantly try to talk about Sabbath as a way to like, hopefully invite them into that practice. But then I like deep down, I'm like, this needs to be for me as well. Like I need to be taking those moments of rest. Um, and I'd also say spending time with, with Lauren, my wife, uh, being committed to, to weekly date nights and, and saying, you know, a practice that I'm not always the best at, but I've tried to do is when I come home from work or f- home from the church, if I'm working at the church or whenever I get off uh, or whenever I stop working at home to like put my phone away for like 20 minutes or to not like go straight to like watch Netflix or something like that, but to say like, Hey, like, let's, let's check in, you know, how's your day, those type of things. And so that I'm building that connection with her. And then also just relying on ministry colleagues and friends who are just been huge means of grace in my life because they know what's going on. Like they're experiencing similar struggles, you know? And so being able to have people to go to and say, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, I need, I need your help. I need your prayer. You know, I just need to talk those type of things. Somebody to lament with. 
that understands the the junk. Yes. Yeah. Lament has been a word that has come up a lot recently. I feel like in my life, just because of, you know, where we're at and just as, as a country and, and church and just me personally, just thinking about the need of like lament where sometimes it can be easy to just like portray everything as being good and, you know, fine and dandy but yet i mean we have a whole whole book in scripture called lamentations right and then like a lot of the psalms are like god this sucks like can you like i'm mad like all those things and so yeah lamenting is also very helpful yeah we as christians or we as pastors have a hard time lamenting if i can Mm. be honest or that's, that's at least my observation. Yes. Yeah. I even think like in our worship services or like in youth group, right? How, how much time do we, do we leave for, for opportunities of lament? Right. And I think that that's something I met someone when I was in Portland, I, so we stayed in Portland longer than I was a youth pastor just because we loved the area it's amazing. I highly suggest everyone go to go out there, especially if you like the outdoors. I mean, there's like a park that you can go hiking in, in the city, like, or like five minutes from downtown. Like it's pretty cool. But I worked as a barista at a Whole Foods and there was someone, one of my customers who would come, he worked at, I forget what college, but he was a professor or an adjunct at a, at a college in, in Portland. And he did his whole PhD in like lamenting and how the how the church specifically in worship needs to do better at lamenting and so we just had a a lot of like not a lot but we had a few conversations that were just like yeah like we do need to reclaim this biblical practice right yeah I can't remember off the top of my head pastors have brain farts too guys it's it's a real thing who was it that I think it was David uh, when I can't remember what something happened. He literally walked around in a sack and just cried yeah. and weeped. One of the prophets, I think it was, I, okay, I think it was David. Prophets. I forget which one though. So again, brain fart, but pastors have brain farts too. Yes. So my friend, what books are you currently reading? And I'm giving you free reign to flex because you said, Hey, not to flex. I have three on deck, but there are many others. Yeah, I'm one of those people who is like, I have multiple books that I'm reading and I don't always finish books. And so that's just, yeah, I know it's kind of cringy, but you say you don't I also want to be books. What do you mean? Like you just get like a chapter in and you're just like, eh. No, like sometimes I'll be like three or four chapters in and then I'll start another book and then I'll like put that book to the side and then eventually I'll come back to it, but it's not like a, a consistent thing. Okay. And so it's not like I'm reading, like I, I spend an hour in each book every day. Right. That would be, I think that'd be nice. Uh, but I don't, I don't have time, time for that. So that'd be insane. Uh, that would be. So right now I'm actually rereading a book. So I'm reading the book called the deeply formed life right here uh, by rich uh, Velotis. And so it, this book just came out last year and it's just 
It's amazing. So it talks about five different principles to root us in the way of Jesus. So his whole, he begins in the prologue talking about how one time he went to San Francisco and San Francisco is known for, for the redwood trees. Right. And, and he was just like, started to do some research into the, to the root system and how, like the redwood, redwood trees, they only go five or six feet deep, but they're like, they go out for hundreds of feet and they're connected to all of the other, all of the other, um, trees in, in an area. And so he talks about how, like, if we want to be transformed in the way of Jesus, we need to be deeply formed. We need to be deeply rooted in the way of Jesus because everything we do is forming us, right? There's not one thing like waking up, you know, eating what we choose to eat, how we consume, you know, what we choose to watch, what we choose to listen to, who we choose to be with, like all of these things are, are shaping and forming us either in the way of Jesus Christ or out of the way of Jesus Christ. And so he talks, he finds five practices that really focus on and root us in the way of Jesus Christ. And so those are contemplation. And this one, I mean, I've already talked about it a lot, but this one really stood out to me because he talked about, and it was like in 1901, that some, someone came up with this term called New York-itis, which was just like talking about how like the, how New York was always going, you know, it's always like always hustle and bustle. And, and Rich, the author was like reflecting on how like, this is over a hundred and you know, this is 120 years ago. New York has gotten even bigger, faster. There's more to do. Right. And so uh, the, the downfall of New York itis, as he saw in that time is even more magnified, right? Because we live in this culture of constant speed, all of that. And so, uh, so that, that one out of the five really stood out to me and, and to focus on, on contemplation. Uh, then the, the other four are racial reconciliation, interior examine, sexual wholeness, and missional presence. And so um, I read it last year, but I wanted to reread it again because it was good. And I was like, I want to soak because sometimes I also speed read and I was like, I really want to like soak in, in what he has to say. So that's one. Um, the second book I'm reading is called The Birth Partner. So I am, my wife and I, my wife is pregnant. So we're expecting a, a son in about, a, I almost said a year. I don't know why I said a year. In about two months, uh, three months. That's different months, than a year. April is when he... That is way different than a year. And I mean, typically, you know, most, most births are nine months. So less than a year. I, again, brain farts, youth pastors get those all the time. It's great. Uh, and so this book is, yeah, it's like a big, it's like 500 pages, 400 pages. And so I'm only, I'm not that far in, I'm only like 90 pages in, but, and I've like skipped some of it because some of it is like specific information for doulas and i'm like i'm not a doula and also we're in COVID and we can't have a doula so i'm not going to read that at least right now so so this has been this has been good because i've realized how little i knew about the birthing process you know i think about i think most of my birthing education probably came from like the office and and the episodes in which you know jim and pam have have a child or like when Michael is preparing for the baby with the watermelon with Dwight. Uh, that's I love the office. I was 
actually like shed a tear uh, on January 1st of this year when it went off Netflix. And so uh, this has been very, very helpful for me. And it's definitely something that I plan on going back to during these next two months uh, because yeah, it's birthing is a lot. It's not as easy as it seems at least. And it's obviously like also for me, like the most difficult part is for my wife. Like she has most of the, uh, the, the things to to worry about heavy lifting. Yeah, exactly. And so I just want to, you know, be the best partner and husband for her during, during this time. And so, and then I'm also reading uh, The Church in Color. So it's by Montague Williams, who is a professor at Point Loma. And so I think this might have been his dissertation, but it's looking at youth ministry, race, and the theology of Dr. King. And so I'm a part of a, I'm a part of a book club with some youth pastors across the United States that, that we meet. We read one chapter a month, and, and then we uh, talk about it and, and see where, you know, youth ministry and conversations on racial reconciliation and just race happen and that need for, for those conversations, uh, because our teens, teens are wanting to have that conversation, uh, but typically youth ministry, or at least stereotypically youth ministry has shied away from, from those conversations. And then I'll go, I'll go with uh, one more uh, celebration of the discipline by Richard Foster. So again, I'm rereading this, but I'm reading it because I have a special small or a small group in my church of teens that is for high, for high schoolers and specifically sophomores through, through seniors. That's really focused on spiritual formation and leadership development. And this is the book, one of the books that we're reading for this small group. So those are, I'll, I'll stick to those four. Wow, man. You went, you went from like zero to a hundred and I appreciate that. I Thank really you. Do. Thank I also started li- or listening to audiobooks, and my practice is like, I'll listen to a book on audible. And then if it's something where I'm like, cause I think I still get more from like actually reading it. But I also like some things do stick out by hearing it. And if it's something where it's like, oh, yeah, like this is really cool. Like I want to I want to read it again. I'll buy the I'll buy the physical copy. So. So, my friend, what is giving you life right now? What is exciting you? One thing I do want to point out is. For us as pastors, we can kind of be focused and say it just has to be about the church, but it can also be things outside of the church. In fact, I think we as pastors need to have some excitement that's not just from the church, but rather from our life. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the first thing that excites me also is like a little nerve wracking too, but it's like this process of having a child or like becoming a father. Like I'm so excited for, for this process. I can't wait till, till he's born um, and I'll get the responsibility to, to father him and hopefully train him to be an NBA player. Um, I mean, I don't have NBA skills, but like my hope is that he'll be a basketball player and then we can retire. Um, we can retire on him and I can also go to his games. You know, if he works, if he, if he plays for the wizards, that'd be pretty nice uh, because that would be close to, to where we're at, where we're at right now. So uh, just the the excitement, 
uh, of bringing in a new life to the world and then having the responsibility of, of living life with them, with him on a daily basis is both exciting, but also kind of scary because I've never done this before, you know? And so, so that's one thing. Um, and then just my wife, like, again, like, I guess it's stereotypical for youth pastors who are married to talk about their wife, but, but she's solid and awesome. And like, she's given up. So she's way better than me and just everything. And so like, she's given up so much for me, um, to pursue, to pursue ministry and to, you know, I learn a lot from her all the time. And so she excites me and, and entering into this new phase of being parents together um, and that change of our relationship excites me and then just coffee i love coffee i, I noticed you were drinking coffee earlier it's um, gone now i'm sad well what was it you're gonna judge me right now because i just i ran out of coffee this week okay so it's chock full of nuts coffee it's like cheap okay. like i just never need to get something Sure. And I think coffee, like coffee to me is like, can be subjective because like a good cup is what most people like, right? Like what I think is a good cup is different than other people. But there's, I think there's this whole stereotype of people who are into coffee, like they're super snooty and judgmental. And like, I try not to be that way. I mean, there are definitely times where I've like turned down a cup because I'm like, I just don't want to like, I just don't want to go there. You don't but want to come also, the Maxwell House. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. Uh, oh man! But I mean, I also when we go to Disney, like Disney's coffee isn't that great, and so I'll drink it. It's like a necessity thing too. Sometimes you're gonna you know? anger so, Disney. My goodness! I, I mean, Disney's great in a lot of things, but their coffee in their hotels is not. And it might just be because, at least to me, because I don't prefer darker roast and Disney. I think most of their roasts are darker so uh coffee excites me because there's just a lot to learn and know about coffee my teens make fun of me all the time because apparently like coffee is a very millennial stereotype and gen z isn't as big on coffee and so i definitely get made fun of for my love of coffee and then within ministry like just my students excite me i have a great group of students who are are hungry and desiring to grow in the relationship with God and they ask tough questions and they don't they like I love the tough questions I mean sometimes I'm like ah, you put me in a spot here but I I enjoy wrestling actually one of my students said don't say wrestle they're like wrestling implies that there's a winner and there's not a winner when you're thinking through these things it's like hmm you're very insightful. That is groundbreaking so, right there. What in the world? I know. I know. Like, I learned so much from my students because of, like, how thoughtful and deep they are. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, we were talking one time, and she was like, we were, we were talking about different things. And I was like, yeah, like, I think I see what you're doing. You're, like, wrestling with that. And that's normal. And she's like, yeah, I – I would just say thinking through different topics because wrestling implies that there's a winner and a loser. And I'm like, fair enough. You got me there. So thinking through, uh, asking difficult questions, uh, you know, never, you know, 
I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. And so, and then also one of the things that I've, I've tried to do in, in the youth ministry since I've been here is really empower the students to like, to lead. And so like, for example, we didn't have, we didn't go away for a typical fall retreat this past fall because of COVID. And, and so what we did is we hosted a week long fall retreat in the evenings because they had school. And I, I took like 15 of our teens and I split them up and had them plan. I put them in groups of, I think we had 16 because I had them plan four days and there were groups of four and they each had to plan what we were doing outside of the lesson that night. And so they, and they did phenomenally with it. They like knocked it out of the park and, um, yeah, it just really excites me to to see them take initiative in the youth group, to take leadership with the for the older students towards the younger students, uh, and then also just outside of the youth group, seeing them serve and and invest into our church community. That gives me a lot of excitement and hope. That's awesome. So, what sort of advice would you give to youth workers today? Yeah, I think I would say. There are two things that come to mind. First is that, and they're, they they kind of go together. The first is that I think our teens want more. I think stereotypically, again, this is stereotypically, not in every, every youth ministry. Youth ministry is known for just fun games, dodgeball, right? Like that's the, that's the point or that, that's a stereotype, right? Or like people talk about youth pastors is just like, oh, they haven't matured past teens. They're just what, you know, um, which is, is something, but that, that is I something think, I wish you could see our eye rolls right now. Yeah. Uh, I think at least in my context, the teens want more. They want that. Like there's a place for fun. There's a place for games. They love it, but, but the teens want more. They want to be asking these difficult questions. They want to be able to know that they can ask questions and still be able to be part of the community, even if their question makes like, is, is a difficult question, or if the conclusion to which they come is something that, you know, isn't part of the, the ethos, ethos of the community, right? And so I think trying to create opportunities for our teens to connect on that deeper level which goes into like my second thing. And so a book that I read, I started reading last year and finished this year was called, um, oh shoot, what is it called? It's by Andrew, oh, The the End of Youth Ministry by Andrew Root. Um, And the subtitle is like, Why Parents Don't Care About Youth Ministry or something like that. And it's super clickbaity. Like it's one of those titles where, you know, like one of those like internet articles where you like, it has this rate like crazy name and then you click on it and it's not really like that um i listened to a podcast interview with him and he's like yeah i didn't really choose the the title um my publisher chose it for me but um in it he he asked this question about like what is the purpose of youth ministry and so he you know a lot of people talk about youth ministry as being like a a, a happy place or a place where um our teens you know he talks about how in the how in how youth ministry 
traditionally started in our in a lot of our places it, it was a place to provide an alternative from from teens like going out and partying or you know it was the whole era of like goonies or ferris bueller's days out where teens were just out there in the world and so it was this way of like um, providing a safe space an alternative space but then he's really like as he's looking at at if youth ministry is for happiness that really breaks down and then youth ministry becomes just another thing amongst other things right so that's if teens have the choice between youth ministry or like you know uh studying for sat which you should study for the sat i'm not saying that or like piano lessons or athletics right like it's it's on the same level as just other activities if youth ministry's purpose is just for fun Um, and there's nothing wrong with being happy or having fun I think there should be definitely places within our youth ministry that have that. But then the, the latter half of the book, he focuses on this particular youth group and how this youth leader answered the question, youth ministry is for joy. And joy is a lot deeper than, a lot deeper than, you know, happiness because happiness is like, oh, I got a car, a new car for Christmas or my birthday. But joy, he says, is something like a, a mom spending Christmas with her son after her son has been in prison or been, been away for a long time. And so our youth ministries should be, and we can find joy in the story and the narrative of God through also sharing life together. And so I think focusing on, on moments of joy, focusing on moments of lament, sharing life together when it's difficult, because one of the the shifts that happened in that book was that uh, the youth leader experienced a near-death experience or one of her teens experienced a near-death experience that just completely changed how she did ministry and everything. And so, and so I would say find times for fun, find times for game, but also try to root the youth ministry in, in something deeper. Um, But then also to go back to, to one of the things I said at the beginning, the students really want to know you care. And so invest, invest in relationships over, over programming. How is God moving in your ministry with all that being said? I mean, I can see how God is moving in your ministry uh, through our conversation here today, but is there any specific thing you can say without a doubt, this is God moving? Yeah. um, I would say, Say one of the ways is I, I've started, it's the, the small group I talked about earlier with the celebration of discipline. So I, I created this small group because I noticed that, and based off statistics and just talking to other youth pastors, that teens really start to disengage from church. They're like sophomore, junior year, because they're getting their car, they're getting their, you know, they're getting jobs. And then if teens disengage, then the chances of them disengaging after they graduate is, is also higher. And so I created this group where they have to commit. It's a lot like they, throughout the year, they can't miss more than four meetings. They have to do the reading every week. They have to serve in our church. They have to serve outside of the church. They have to mentor younger teens, these things. But each week we come or it's a bi-weekly meeting. So every other week we come together and we have these conversations just about spiritual disciplines and how we can take our faith more seriously. And just to see how their minds are like, and their lives are just 
soaking up spiritual formation, because I really think that that, that is part of the joy that we experience in youth ministry, right? If, if joy is about being rooted to God, spiritual formation and spiritual practices are how we are rooted in God and God's joy and the joy that we can find. And so, and then also to just see them lead and invest in other people, I would say that. And then also we have a few teens who are, are, um, are specifically a few female teens who are, are discerning a call to ministry or also uh, maybe not like being a pastor, but also like being a theologian or professor or things like that. And so I see God just working in, in them and that new creation that, that they're going to be a part of as they follow this call, whether it leads them to be a pastor or if they just see their vocation as a ministry as well. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. God's it's, it's really cool to see what God's been doing in the lives of our students. Even during a pandemic, let's just throw that out there too. Yeah. 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 I felt like before, so we, we were meeting in youth group for youth group, like at the beginning of the pandemic, it was all online. And then we started meeting outdoors in June and then we moved indoors in like October I would say from like October to December, we were at like our strongest point from of me, like our ministry was at like the strongest point since I was there. But then in December, cases started to spike and everything. So we actually started to pull away from meeting in person. But it was just really cool to see how like God was at work, even in the midst of all of the brokenness in the world, you know, and all of the, the chaos and death, God can still work and bring new creation. So my friend, how can we be praying for you and your ministry in these next coming weeks, days, months? Yeah, I would say for me personally, just learning this new rhythm of being a father and being as, you know, having more responsibility there. Um, But then I would say for the ministry, I just think, with our teens specifically, but I think this is a a trend across the United States. There's a lot of just mental health issues because of the pandemic. Like there are moments of new creation in that, but, but people are struggling mentally, teens and families. Like we're in this, I think we're in the point of the pandemic where it's, we've been in it so long. It almost seems as if we do see a little light, but it can almost seem as if the light's not there, you know? And so, uh, I think just mental health and and finding opportunities to connect with one another as a way to 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 hopefully help help our teens and our families' mental health, um, and then also the ability for resourcing uh, when that or if that is needed in particular families. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that, and just wisdom for discernment and and how we continue to go forward as as a youth group in church definitely well let's go to our father in prayer thank you yeah uh lord today we just want to say thank you for you we just want to say thank you for the ways you show up in our life Uh, we just want to continue to say thank you even though we're surrounded in a world filled with darkness Uh, lord we just want to just Lay these things at your feet, Lord. We want to pray for finding new rhythms in a family life. We want to pray for uh, 
mental health in the lives of our students and the lives of our church people and the lives of our communities. Lord, help us to be a, help us to be a light in a dark place. Lord, also help us to be a resource that people can feel comfortable to reach out to. Lord, help us know when we need to reach out to someone else. Uh, Lord, I also want to pray for direction in this new phase of ministry where we're just trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So, Lord, I just want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for showing up in our lives. Thank you for being present in this interesting time and place that we are finding ourselves today. Lord, we just want to say thank you again for your goodness and your grace. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, my friend, for joining us on What Do You Know? This has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been awesome. I enjoyed it. Friends, thank you for joining us on another episode of What Do You Know? I hope you are blessed by today's conversation. Friends, as always, I would like to encourage you to share this podcast with someone who may get something out of it. Because, friends, I want us to continue to grow and expand our community here in this space. That way we can continue to ask the question, what do you know to those around us? Because the last thing that I want us to fall into is this idea that we know it all. And so, friends, let's remain humble and continue to ask the question, what do you know to leaders and people around us? As a quick reminder, friends, this podcast is available on all major podcasting networks. So share this with a friend because I want to continue to grow our community. Friends, I hope you will join me for another conversation with another ministry leader next week. Thank you for joining us.